2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's happy hour time, ladies and
3: gentlemen. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Zello, Matt Scraby, 501 on the clock. Had some fun today so far. Talking some Padre Baseball things starting to heat up out in Peoria and really Arizona, Florida, as more and more players trickle in for their report dates. We've heard from Doug, Me- Doug Melvin. We've heard from Bob, <laughs> Bob Melvin. Doug Melvin is uh, was the former GM for the Brewers. Yes, when he I was there. Yeah, no uh, relation. I no relation. Believe. No relation at all. Uh, no. Bo Mel talked about um, the depth of this ball club. He talked about the bullpen depth, uh, including the Bill Crismat. Uh, but he also talked about one of the new rules. And one of the new rules is that you won't be allowed to shift the infielders. Two infielders will have to be on both sides. Bo was asked if he'll explore moving outfielders, kind of in the way that Scraby showed us.
4: I remember uh, when I was called crazy?
3: Yeah, I mean, you're still crazy, but, you know, there's that. Uh, well, if he would explore moving outfielders around since only infielders are banned from shifting on defense. Here's what Bo Mel had to say.
0: Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, you know, we talk. I talked to Juan, and Juan's going to play left, and you know, he'll he'll be out there, you know, consistently in one spot, which is easier for him to prepare for. And he's played left too. Um, you know, Grish is a two-time Gold Glove Award winner, center field. Are you talking about? Could the you depth? move
4: guys though when you have like a pull, a dead pull hitter
0: up? Could you move guys in the outfield? Would you be? I, I, you know, with the, with the guys that we have right now, I, I don't see that being the case.
3: That was him. Politely saying, "Hell no!" Dumb it's not going <laughs> to happen.
0: It's a
3: great question by Kevin Acy.
4: Yeah, just you I mean, would like it. The
3: Moving whole on. the whole point of the, I'll tell you
4: one thing: if they ever move a left fielder into short right field, Scraby is not going to let you and I hear the end of it.
3: No, he he probably won't. Yeah, I can see that. I can see this won't.
4: happening in like mid May. I against hope the. Uh, Against the Nationals or something, and I just hope it the comes. Nationals from the... Nationals move their left fielder into short right field, and Jesse goes, "Oh, the Nationals I... have just moved their left fielder into short right field," and Tony's going to go, "Oh no, <laughs> right. this is bad." I'm going to say that on air, too. Yeah, this while is Jesse. <laughs> this is not good. And then Jesse's going to go, "What? What are you talking about, Tony?"
3: Oh my gosh, oh t- that would be. I hope that if it does happen, it comes from a team that is like at the bottom of the barrel. 'Cause that would only it would only strengthen our argument in the first right. place. Now if a first place team's doing it, you're right. We're never going to hear the end of it from Matthew Scraby. But came up with this idea. <laughs> I'm gonna watch every game. <laughs> yeah.
4: Of, yeah. To see if somebody does it just one time. That's yep.
3: that's too funny. Uh Fernando Tatis Jr. continues his uh his move from infield to outfield. Bo Mel was asked if he liked what he saw from F T J tracking and shagging fly balls in the outfield
0: yesterday. I did. Yeah. Pretty athletic. He could play anywhere on the field. So, you know, it's just getting enough time and getting acclimated. You know, obviously he's been an infielder most of his career, a little bit outfield time. But um, there are very few athletes, you know, as good as he is in the major leagues, period. So he could play anywhere.
3: You know, so take that for data. <laughs> I couldn't help but think about uh, what we talked about yesterday. Take that for data. In terms of uh, Fernando wanting, having his eyes set on a different position in the outfield. Something that's just, it stuck with me the rest uh, of the night. Yeah, it was a big
4: headline in the newspaper today. Fernando will be happy to play right, but he'd rather play center. That's what the headline said. Doesn't necessarily mean the article detailed that. right. But that was what the big headline was. So I'm sure a lot of people woke up today going, "Oh, Fernando's not happy with where he's playing." Yeah, you
3: you wonder, you know, being the that he can is do that. being that. It, it, I mean, he said as much. I think we quoted some of the things out of the article yesterday yeah, when it right. came out, and you wonder how does that does that does that make it uncomfortable at all in that locker room? Because, you know, obviously Fernando's missed a lot of time. He's going to spend some time trying to, you know, regain the trust of, of his teammates. Yeah. And, you know, it, it sounds sounds like right now he's going to be content playing where he is, but should things, I don't know, go well, maybe he wants to move to center. And how does that affect everything else that's going on there? Yeah.
4: I, I, I just I just want to... I can't wait till they start playing games and they don't have to keep asking these right. questions or create stories that may or may not be there.
3: It does. It does. It does certainly uh, do Because it that.
4: makes it sound like if you just looked at the article today in the paper and all you saw was the headline that somehow Fernando's being a pain in the butt. And I, I just don't see that being the case, at least from everything we've heard so far.
3: But it does make you think about that, though, when you see it, right? When you see the article. Now, obviously, this is what happens when there are no games played. Because yeah. you just you're just less left guessing and and kind of filling in the blanks here. Once the games start to roll out, you start to get the answers that you you may be seeking when it comes to that type of thing. Yeah, well,
4: we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, if,
3: I, I don't see if nine Fiano's more days
4: make a big deal out of this. I mean, he's got to just play right field and play great baseball, and you know, if he gets a chance to play some center, so be it. If he ends up in right, so be it. But
3: just let him play. Xander Bogarts, the new addition. You know, as Bo Mel said, every other every other month the Padres acquire another big dog, and they had, uh, they added Xander Bogarts over the offseason. season. Bo Mel was asked about the type of leadership qualities Xander brings.
0: Yeah, a huge one. So it's that's that's something that you know you know just watching. You know his, his time in Boston how much of a leader he is and not only from a coaching perspective but players as well and I got plenty of messages about you know how this is a real guy in the clubhouse and on the field as far as leadership goes and you know you can't have too many of those guys He said you were willing to listen to some of his opinions too he wouldn't share what those opinions were but yeah no look I you know it's uh, we're just trying to get it right here and we, we have some guys like I said moving around some guys that have not played together before. You know, we're also looking at some lineups, and you know where that may fit. We got some time with that, but yeah, I'll, I'll listen. Yeah,
3: I can guess by Bowmel's answer that the opinions might have had something to do with the lineup, since that was the last thing he dropped in there right before exiting that answer right there. Well,
4: that and the fact that Bob Melvin really earns his money right about now.
3: This is where this is
4: because t- honestly, there's nothing happening. And yet, people are asking you a bunch of questions, trying to find any angle for some story somewhere, and they're hoping that <laughs> you'll give them something they can use. And you're
3: trying not to give them anything <laughs> they can use. This is the down- but you don't want to be rude. This is the downfall of showing up this early. Yeah, is that you are setting up these scrums, and the difference in last year and this year is we were all getting to know Bo Mel, so that first seven, eight, nine days. Yeah. Half of that was spent getting to know the manager, the manager getting to know the team. And with so all you, due respect, there's a lot of questions about the lockout last there, year. There's a ton of that, right? Which you don't have this year. This year, you don't have any of that. He's familiar with the roster outside of the few additions. He's, uh, we're for, the media is familiar with him now. And so, yeah, you do get a lot of questions that I think normally you probably wouldn't have but because you got to talk about something. Yeah. I mean, he, they're making them available for 20 minutes. You better fill that with
4: 20 minutes' worth of questions, even if half of them are dumb. And, I, and I'm and i not being critical of the media down there, because if I was down there every day, I guarantee same thing. I'd be asking dumb questions, too. I mean, there's not a lot you can do. What are you supposed to ask about? Nothing's yeah. happening. Yet you're required to file a story or file a report. You have to have some sound clip to go along with that. So it's
3: it's really difficult for all parties. Speaking of sound clips, um, I'll best phrase this next clip of what you're going to hear um, because the question is just quite wordy. We'll just say Bob Melvin spoke on his closer, Josh Hader, and his um, ability to correct mechanics.
0: Really hard. Um yeah, especially the way he goes about it too. So, uh, I, I credit to him, making some adjustments. And you know, you saw what when he first got to us and what where he was at the end. It was pretty significant difference. And that's just being open to, you know, making some subtle changes. Sometimes for a guy with his tenure and success, you know, you would think maybe he's beset in his ways, but he's been really open to, you know, getting some information from from Ruben and, and Fritzy and. I think it benefited him.
4: What's your sense of where he is now coming into spring? Can he make any major changes over the offseason?
5: No, the
0: he he's, he is more? a progression that he's used to. He's he actually threw a live the other day, so there's there's you know a timeline that he's used to, and I think he more eases into it than you know. And over the years is, is realized what's worked for him. So he probably gets started a little bit early, but um, looks good to me.
3: That's one of the the best parts about being a established big leaguer and knowing what you need in order to get yourself ready because you know for the first for the first four three four five spring trainings before you become a, a, an established guy, you really are trying to figure out how to like manage all of those days so that you're not peaking too soon you're not too sore it's it's kind of a, it's a balancing act and so you, you see a lot of different – especially pitchers with different types of kind of progressions. We saw you Darvish come in last year ready to throw to batters from day one. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the same this year considering he's pitching in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Uh, but for Hayter, a little That's bit different going to be, process. There's going
4: to be a million questions about that coming up, by the way. oh, I'll Get ready me. for those. 100%. Yeah. Get ready for those and how they're going to affect the Padres and each and every player and, you know, the season – yeah. No so doubt. get when ready. Where does that actually start? The twenty No, twenty fourth is about when it ends. Scraby? Scraby, do you know when the world <laughs> baseball classic is? Uh <laughs> um, I really don't know. I don't know either. You know, I've looked at this date like a
1: hundred
0: times. I think they I think start on is it the
4: third?
3: Give me a second. <laughs>
4: <laughs> do, 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 Coming up.
1: Do. March Okay, so the pool A is March 8th
4: through 12th. eighth through twelfth. Pool B is March 9th through thirteenth. Pool C is Pool C and D are both uh, March 11th through the 15th. All right, so and March it's 8th. in Phoenix. So
3: every some of it's in Phoenix.
4: P- well, Pool C, I'm yeah. sorry, yes, yeah, yeah Pool C is in Phoenix. Um, you Darvish is have to go all the way back over to Tokyo in Japan to to pitch yeah. and play in that. So. so it's about two weeks from March 8th to the 21st because it ends on the 21st. Yeah, that's when the final is. Yeah, you'd
3: be surprised. I mean, I, I mean, at least they're going
4: to play a lot of games in two weeks. They
3: are the. Um, Guys get into it, like guys who aren't participating, at least, you know, the, when I was still playing, guys like got into it. They enjoy watching those games and there'll be some upsets that it's baseball. So there definitely will be some upsets that you don't expect. All right, let's get to break. Aztecs in action tonight. We'll have Mark Ziegler on to talk about it. Morgan and Chris on the way here some traffic.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com.
4: Quick score update. Number one team in the nation, Alabama Crimson Tide. That's basketball, not football, guys. They're playing at number 10 Tennessee tonight. Tennessee leads by two. Early in the second half. 33-31. Of course, uh, college basketball, something we'll be keeping an eye on later on tonight. 8 o'clock tip-off in Fresno. The Aztecs taking on Fresno State. Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union-Tribune joins us on the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline from Fresno. Mark, how are you? Thank you so much for your time.
5: I'm doing well. I'm in lovely Fresno right now.
4: Yeah, what could be better? I was there (laughs) just a little while ago myself. Uh, Mark wrote about Darion Trammell today in the uh, San Diego Union-Tribune. Another good article, as most of them are. And uh, Trammell's obviously struggling a little bit right now. Team's winning. How's he coping with this? Uh, I thought the article was good. Maybe you can share some of what he said with our with our listeners.
5: Yeah, I mean, it has to be frustrating for him, Um he's been pretty good about keeping it inside and 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 keeping a good attitude about it but i mean this is a guy as i pointed out in his last game at seattle last season he scored 39 points he averaged 18.7 over two seasons there and he went from that to zero points in saturday's game against unlv the first time in his career that he hadn't scored a point uh, at the college level and so you know this is a guy who's used to scoring and now he's not and and you know he understands I mean he he says, and he said it from the beginning and i I you know I actually interviewed him on this about I don't know six seven times, it seems like I ask him the same question every time about the adjustment and he says the same thing he said, look when i when the coaches came up to visit me in Seattle after I'd been in the portal, I went to lunch with them all, and I said, i want to come win, I don't care what it takes, but I want to win and and so he said i I had to expect that I wasn't going to score as much as i I used to but I have to accept
3: that. Yeah, but one of the guys who, who's not struggling right now, Ze is is Adam Seiko. He has started to shoot the ball lights <laughs> out last game, six of ten from three point land. How, how big of a how big of a factor is he coming off the bench for this team, especially down the stretch as you start to roll into March?
5: You know, Brian Dutcher he he laughs all the time about you know you can't lose Seiko and team just keeps seeming to lose him. And and that tells you how good he is. at you know for a shooter, half the battle or two thirds of the battle is being able to make the shot. But the other part of it is getting yourself open. And He's not a guy who scores off the dribble. Doesn't create his own shot. So he needs his teammates to give him the ball. But he also needs himself to find those spots and to get in those spots so that when he gets the ball, boom, he can let it go. Uh, and that's um, that's something he's done really well this year. He's really understood that. And then he's also understood there's been times uh, the, the night that he went seven of seven to open the game, uh, from three, uh, in the second half, he told coach toucher and the players, he goes, look, I don't know if I'm going to shoot anymore because they're really on me now. I'm just going to be a decoy and take them away and open, mm-hmm. open the floor. So he's been able to do that as well. So yeah, he's been making, I mean, he's shooting over 50% um, from three in the, in the, in the conference season and, I think he, he might be leading the NCAA if he had one more make. Um, there's a certain minimum you have to have. And he's pretty close. He's right on the cusp. Uh, and so that's an incredible number. But I think you know a lot of this offensive uh, surge that we've seen the last few weeks is due to him uh, creating space for other guys because of the attention he draws.
4: You know, the two answers you just gave, Mark, I think give us a little idea why this is such a successful team. I mean, you got Darian Tremell struggling. He's like, I don't care. I just want to win. You have Adam Seiko shooting lights out, telling the coach, hey, let me just be a decoy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how many guys say that? And, you know, I think it's one of the secrets. Dutch was on with us last week. He said, you know, this is a team that in a lot of ways kind of runs itself. I mean, I'm the, we're the coaches, but, you know, they, they monitor themselves, and that makes it real easy on me. And I think that's apparent in some of the things these guys are saying, don't you?
5: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it goes back to the Steve Fisher days, and 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 actually goes back to Bo Schembechler in Michigan when Steve Fisher was there. Bo Schembechler was a football coach, and he had a he had an expression: "The team, the team, the team." And and uh, Coach Fisher took that with him to San Diego, and it's in their locker room. There is a big, huge: "The team, the team, the team." Uh, they see it every single day when they go into the locker room in the Jam Center, and and uh, that's. The you know, I wrote something uh, after the UNLV game about transfers, and you know, UNLV is just sort of the latest reminder that a lot of people, I think, look at San Diego State and say, "Well, you know, yeah, they just got a bunch of transfers; they're transfer you, and that's how they get, you know, got good." But a lot of schools are trying that, and they're not succeeding, and there's a there's a reason because there's not the culture that San Diego State has, the continuity and coaching and staff, uh, and and that's something that people take for granted. And that whole thing about the team, the team, the team, this is, that's who they are, and they recruit to that. And, you know, when they interview guys before they come, if they get the sense that they don't buy into that mantra, they don't take them, no matter how talented. they turned down some really talented players over the years. And in fact, there's a bunch of them in this league they're playing against uh, that that uh, have, have, have done well against them. But they just felt over the long haul, of the course of the season, that, that the team ethos wouldn't sort of... Uh, um, you know come out of the pores of those players as much as it needs to and the sacrifices wouldn't be there and, and they just felt they're better off with the team and you know the other thing is when you get into february i think team basketball wins i don't yeah. think it's individual basketball anymore and that's what you're seeing this team's kind of rolling a little bit and their record of february speaks for itself like a it's 21 and 3 now in the last three years in february
3: mark ziegler joins us joins us of the union tribune and, and mark We talked about it earlier in the season, I remember, and we've said it. We've talked about it with the assistants. We've talked about it with Dutch. Um, They want to be playing their best basketball going into March. They've won their last three games. They they as they head into this game against Fresno State tonight, are they starting to finally put it together defensively? We've seen them. We saw them hold Boise State to fifty-two. Utah State, although it was a close game, held them to sixty-one. They let UNLV kind of get close after really you know, blowing the doors off of them in that game in that game on Saturday. Are they starting to kind of round into shape defensively the way we thought they were?
5: Yeah, they had that low a few weeks. The, and the problem still has been in the second half. But the one thing you'll notice is uh, I think a lot of people wanted to see them all of a sudden wave a wand and, and be just as good in the second half as they were in the first uh, defensively. Um, and it doesn't work like that. You have to work through it almost minute by minute. And they're getting there, you know, uh, you know, few weeks ago it was man the entire second half they just can't stop anybody and now it's you know they, they then it was you know the last 10 minutes now it's down to like the last five minutes um and, the, and they've struggled in three of the last four games but only in the last five minutes and so you know Dutch has sort of challenged them you look you want to be a great team you want to be the kind of team that you think you are uh, that we all think we are then you need to play 40 and, and, and you know everyone wants to play 40 but that they keep that defensive pressure and intensity and mentality up for the entire 40. So we'll see if they can do it. Now, I will say, you know, they've had these various junctures in the season where it looks like everything's rolling, everything's trending up and they get to a game. And then all of a sudden they take a step back and, you know, will it happen tonight? I don't know, but it, you know, it happened at Nevada. It happened in the New Mexico game at home. It happened at St. Mary's. It happened against Arkansas in the, in the Maui. Uh, and so there's, there's moments where this team still has to prove that it can sort of get over that hill and come over it and then go climb the next mountain. Uh, and so that's what we're going to see here in the next uh, you know, four or five games or, or five games you know, left in the, in the regular season. We'll see if, uh, if they can just keep, keep trending up and keep it going uh, or if there's a dip there.
4: I have one concern about tonight's game, and uh, he's uh, the guy standing on the Fresno State sideline, Justin Hudson, I I just think he knows the Aztecs now. He's been away from the program for a few years. Is is that something to be concerned about, that he just kind of knows what Dutch wants to do? Or has Dutch kind of figured out how to combat that?
5: You know, I think that was a little bit more of a factor when he first got there. Uh, I think he's been so far removed. Um, there's only a couple players in the, on this team that he actually recruited, um, and you know guys like Ag and Mensa a little bit, um, Seiko. I think that's it, really. And and uh, and so um, he, the further away he gets from it, I think that isn't as much of a factor. I think that the, what makes this game tricky is the Saint Mars Center. And you know, you've been there. It's just the weirdest place to play a basketball game. It's enormous and nobody's in there. It's just a morgue. Yeah. And it's not like going to Air Force where a lot of times they don't have a crowd, but it's a small arena, right? This thing is huge. It's it's bigger than VAS by like thirty five hundred seats. And they've got the top curtained off and it just it's just a bad scene all around and it's hard to get that energy off the crowd, whether it's your home crowd or the away crowd. And so they've had a couple of real big games here, whether they had one at home You know, the Boise State game at home, really emotional. Then they went on the road at Utah State, really emotional, you know, uh, hostile crowd. And then they came home again, emotional game against UNLV, and now they've got to come to a dead arena. So I think that's the, you know, midweek, 8 o'clock game. I think that's the the thing that's going to be the biggest challenge. And and Fresno State is just, they've not been playing very well all season, uh, and they have not shot the ball well from three. But the you know the temptation there is well it's okay we'll let them have some threes but they can't shoot it they're shooting thirty percent you know they'll shoot themselves out of it. But the scary part is is they take a lot of threes, and if they get hot in that one night, uh, it could come at your expense. And so I think that's the other concern about Fresno.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. This is a type of game you have to create your own energy. Trap you... game. <laughs> I
4: don't know what that really truly means, but people say it all the time. So.
3: Mark, as always, appreciate you coming on. Uh, Have some fun tonight. Enjoy, Mark. Thanks, as always.
5: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Yes.
3: Mark Ziegler of the Union Tribune there on the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, fine new roads. You would not believe that that came straight off the dome there. Didn't read that. I actually I memorized <laughs> I believe it. I'm That's so amazing. proud of myself good. right there. Yeah. All right, let's get to break. Uh, if who did we have on earlier? Sammy, the great oh. one, the great one, Sammy with the live Peoria report. <laughs> the
4: Wherever great one. Sammy goes, champagne flows. <laughs> if you missed it,
3: you'll hear that Jim here next. Morgan to Chris. If your day sounds like
2: we need the report ASAP,
3: you deserve Modelo.
1: If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste.
2: Or if you overcame. Two more
3: two tour. more.
2: You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the Markable Fighter.
1: Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crowley Port, Chicago, Illinois
4: Right, welcome back to the program 536. I took my glasses off, so I can't really tell what time it is.
3: You got it right. Thank you.
4: Uh, Chris Ello and uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., Mr. Scraby, all along here. Uh, coming up, our visit with Sam Levitt from uh, Padres. The great one. Spring training in Peoria. I wanted to ask you guys real quick before we get to traffic in that interview who you got if you got the number one pick in the NFL draft and you need a quarterback? Because we, we know now the Bears have the number one pick. They don't need a quarterback, but maybe they trade Justin Fields, or maybe they make a trade to move up. Anyway, let's just assume you have the number one pick, and you're whatever team you are—the Colts or the Texans or the Bears, CJ
3: Stroud or Bryce Young.
4: Right. That's what I'm asking. Who would you go with?
3: Oh man!
4: Just based on the eye I, test, I think because we don't know any of the sprinting speeds. No, and all we don't that know that. How I think the bench and all that.
3: I think CJ Stroud. Stroud. I say that Stroud. Stroud. Ohio State. Yeah. Is more built for the NFL in terms of body, yeah. but I think Bryce might be more advanced maybe with the the looks. Huh. Okay. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, it's pretty tight. You think tight. it's pretty close? I think it's pretty tight. See, I don't think it's that close. You think it's CJ Stroud? Yeah. Me too. 6'3",
4: 215 pounds, Bryce Young, 5'10", 194. Sounds like he's a broken head. 5'10"? Half. Five ten one ninety four. That's what so. He's if he's, he's listed, listed at
3: five ten, we he's hope shorter? that's right.
4: Yeah, he might not even be five ten. Uh, the other guy's five inches taller and twenty five pounds heavier. I, I just, I think they're both incredibly athletic, but I think Stroud's going to stand up to the NFL yeah. a lot better than Bryce Young. I bring this up because Todd McShay, oh, oh, you- <laughs> no, Todd McShay, one of my all favorites. Just look him up in the MC section of the book. Who he pick? Todd Mc, McSh- he picks Bryce Young.
3: You know Says it's interesting. Bryce Young
4: would be the guy for sure, I don't, and if you got the number one pick, you got to take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. So, and he claims to know everything.
3: Right. So I will know. say this: I don't know where the Colts are picking, but I did see somewhere Jim Ursay said that Bryce Young kid uh, for Alabama looks pretty good. All right, now, out he, he, out might, he might he might just be of throwing him. off the scent. I don't know, but this is a mean, this
4: is a mean comment coming uh-oh, up. Uh-oh, Does uh-oh. Jim Irsay know that both quarterbacks are black? Sorry about that, Jim, but you did. Select my man over the enemy for head coach. Yeah, I knew it was mean going in. I knew it was mean going in. I, I said it ahead of time. You know what you did, though, Chris? You made your point. <laughs> yeah, I think? Yeah, all right, uh, we got to check some traffic, and then uh, you'll get all caught up on everything Padres because Sam Levitt is there, and he filed a report with us from spring training earlier.
1: From the premier Buick GMC of Carlsbad Traffic Center, part of the premier auto family, here's Kelly Denick.
4: A couple problems in the South Bay, northbound
5: side of the Five in the E Street off ramp. We're getting reports of a possible encampment fire. Some smoke visible
4: from that right shoulder. Also, collision. A guy we call the Great One, a guy who calls himself Sammy Lev, a guy who is actually known by the uh, and goes by the name of Sam Levitt. He is the pregame and postgame show host on Padres Radio. Sammy, how are you? Great to catch up with you, sir.
1: I am doing well. I don't know about the great one and all that, but uh, I am leaving uh, the complex right now and heading to my car. A uh, long day, good day, first day here uh, in Peoria.
4: Well, uh, what is what, what feeling do you get just being around this team, even though it's a, a little early? I mean, I, I would imagine everybody's a, arrived and pretty excited. Probably can't wait to get the season started, Sam. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, the excitement is palpable. I mean, you can you can really feel it, and I hope it doesn't sound, you know, over-exaggerated or hyperbole, but you can really feel the excitement. Everything we, we felt at FanFest, everything um, that's transpired over the off season, you can feel that excitement, feel that energy, feel it inside the clubhouse. And, you know, this is a team with very high expectations, and, and you just – you feel it. You really do, and I felt that even in the first few hours here today.
3: Sam, you've, you've been there in Arizona since the beginning uh, of, I guess, spring training, and it's not even really the official beginning of it because report dates aren't official for uh, position players yet. But has there been anything that has stood out to you aside from the energy that you're, you're feeling there um, when you're at these workouts watching these guys put the work in?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, today the the biggest thing that stood out just in the workout today on a position player side of things is is something that Bob Melvin alluded to before I saw him during his media availability, was Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, you know, you watched him take batting practice and uh, do some things in the field, and he looks very, very healthy. I mean, the swing looks great. He's smiling. He's dancing. He is the Fernando Uh, that this uh, city in San Diego came to know and love. And I think that's a really good thing. Bob Melvin seems to be really, really positive about where he's at as far as his recovery, where he's at at this point in spring training. And guys, I I don't know without asking Fernando if, you know, the swings are 90% or they're all the way a hundred percent, but it looks pretty good to me. I mean, he's, (laughs) he's in there letting it rip. So, from, from a position player standpoint, just what I saw today here on day one, you just look at Fernando and you're like, he looks like he's in great shape. The swings look great. He looks happy. And that's a very good thing for the San Diego Padres. Aside from that, I mean, you know, I saw Blake Snell throw a bullpen. I saw Joe Musgrove throw a bullpen. Uh, you see those two guys. Uh, Interacting with Ruben Niebla. Um I saw Brent Honeywell throw a bullpen, Reese Kinnear. right? I'm not going to make believe I'm a pitching expert and take anything away from those bullpens other than tell you that, you know, there was communication and, and feedback and a, and a lot of back and forth and looking at some of the data as they were going. And that was pretty interesting to watch. But, uh, you know, uh, they looked good. Um, and uh, everybody, uh, like I said, is, is in a good mood and, and the energy level is high.
4: Sammy Levitt is with us. Sam Levitt, the uh, pre and post game show host of Padre Baseball, here on 97.3, the fan down in Peoria, giving us a little early look see at the uh, at the Padre situation. Uh, Sam, uh, what did you think of the offseason overall? The acquisition of Xander Bogarts, how that moves uh, other guys around to different positions. Now, the recent acquisition of Michael Walker, the signing of the extension of Hugh Darvish. Mm-hmm. Seems like they did pretty much everything they possibly could have done this off season uh, to get a good grade.
0: Yeah, well,
1: I think that good grade came in when they signed Xander Bogarts on itself, right, because of the type of player he is, what it does to this lineup. You know, I think in a way, now that we look back on it, to me the offseason was, and I actually wonder if you guys agree, a little surprising in the sense that if you would have told me in November that the Padres would end up signing Xander Bogart and not one of the, you know, top-tier, quote-unquote, uh, starting pitching free agents like a Kodai Singa or uh, take your pick a Carlos Rodon. I mean, take your pick of the names. I probably would have said, you know what, they're going to sign one of those pitchers, and I don't think they're going to sign another shortstop or any of the big-time, um, you know, position player free agents that were on the market like Bogarts, like Turner, like – Aaron Judge, uh, like Dansby Swanson. So from that perspective, I think when you look back on it, it's almost a little bit surprising how it all turned out. Now, I think that's a good thing because they got Bogarts. Um, You know, they were able to get Nick Martinez back. They were able to sign Seth Lugo, who I think is is hopefully going to be a really nice piece in that rotation. And I, guys, I really like the Michael Waka signing. I do. You look at his numbers from a year ago you know, a solid ERA, a hundred plus innings, they need that. And especially if they begin the year on a six man rotation, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not saying that the results don't matter as far as what the pitchers do, but, but you have to hope that, you know, somebody like a Michael Walker can just eat innings, right. And your offense does enough to score a lot of runs. And that's what I'm, you know, kind of curious about too, as spring training rolls along is just, you know, getting a sense of what what the front office, what Bob Melvin, what this team feels like, their style is going to be. Because last year we saw a team that really relied on starting pitching. The offense uh, was up and down. You know, I kind of wonder, based on looking at the lineup, if this is going to be more a team that kind of outslugs you, yeah. um, you know, and, and has some good pitching performances. But on a you know kind of day in day out basis, you're going to have to deal with that offense. So I know that was sort of a rambling answer but I guess I guess to get back to the original question it was a, a really good off season. I think this team on paper has a chance to go to a World Series you know I, I think everybody's kind of in line with that um, but also surprising because I, I think it, it played out quite a bit differently than than what we thought at the start of the offseason
3: yeah uh, there's no doubt right I, I think Padres came into last season with a glutton of starting pitching. They used that to their advantage. They found themselves – they knew what their identity was offensively. They just had a hard time consistently doing that. This year, it it could be flipped on its head, and it's interesting you bring it up because uh, as a team, establishing who you are and what you do is almost as important as going out and doing it. And so they'll strive to do that. I want to ask you a little bit about Jake Cronenworth because – it's been yeah. assumed uh, that he will be moving over to first base. I assume he's already started taking balls at that position. What have you seen from that standpoint?
1: Yeah, you know, today, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I may have actually been uh, inside the building talking to Bennett ah. Woods when, uh, when when Jake was at first base. I did see video of him at first base today. Um, I also saw him throwing a football today, which was uh, funny. I, I, I almost, I almost wanted to say to him, "Hey, you know, if you have some eligibility, you can go, you know, back to the Wolverines." Um, but uh, I didn't see it with my own two eyes. I did see some video from the first couple of days here of him working at first base and picking balls. And look, you you would imagine that that is going to be a a heavy, heavy focus for Jake Cronenworth um, here in spring training. Sure, you work on your offense, but uh, this is gonna be the first time in in his major league career where and we're assuming where he's going to be you know for the most part yeah. an everyday first baseman um so you would assume that comes with a lot of work i mean we know from watching him there over the last handful of years when he's been there that he can certainly handle himself but you know and and I'll be interested to talk to him about this as uh, as spring training goes along and it gives me a good idea to to talk to him about it over these first few days i I'll be interested to see and, and talk to him about You know what that work looks like to make sure he's ready to go uh, on a day in day out basis so uh, but you you know knowing Jake and getting to know him a little bit over the last year and uh, the type of player he is the type of teammate he is I, I, I you know I think there has to be a lot of confidence that he's gonna come into opening day ready to play that position on pretty much an everyday basis.
4: You know, Sam, we send you down to Peoria to uh, file reports for our show. We don't expect you to be lounging in the uh,
3: (laughs) the building with Ben and
4: Woods. Uh, You know, look, if you're going to be the hardworking guy that we know you are, hanging out with Ben and Woods is going to drag you down, man. I I just want you to to be careful. No, I'm just kidding. Sam Levitt is with us down in Peoria. Sam, uh, you know, you won the double-A uh, championship as a broadcast for the Amarillo Sod yeah. Poodles. You come to San Diego. You immediately get to the championship series. So I'm assuming you as a pre- and post-game guy pretty much like this team. It's like World Series, you're bust for you. You don't you don't yeah. stand for anything less. And, and Tony and I were saying the fans, they've like given you a lot of credit for this. I mean, you become kind of a popular figure because – you attached yourself to a winning Padre franchise. So good on you for being able to accomplish all that. I mean, what what do you have in store for your number two on the pre- and post-game show?
1: Uh, we're, we're working on some stuff. I don't know that it'll be anything dramatic. I have absolutely no part in the team going to the NLCS, <laughs> or quite frankly, for anything that happens this season. Um, I will say, though, I will say in addition to the championship in 2019 in Amarillo, uh the astros did win the world series when i was at double a and corpus christi in 2017 Man. um so you know look uh, you know that became a little interesting later on but uh indeed yeah, it uh, did there is there is a saying where sammy goes the champagne flows i've heard that before <laughs> oh my and, uh, goodness you need to trademark that
4: <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Trademark I, that. the
1: champagne and, flows. and you know what and and, and Tony, Tony can tell you he was in the clubhouse. There was a lot of champagne last it year was in indeed. San Diego. So
3: <laughs> I got, I got quite the uh, dry cleaning bill to prove that there was a lot of champagne going on. Sammy, uh, listen, I, we have kept you long enough, but I think what time is your day starting right now? Because there are no games. A lot of the workouts are happening pretty early. You see, just mentioned it. Long day. What time is your day start in AZ?
1: Uh well I I can tell you today I got to the complex about seven forty five um, I wanted to get what time here was the clubhouse open
3: for, for clubhouse Media.
1: was at eight yeah okay, eight to yeah. eight fifty and then Bob Melvin spoke at nine so probably we'll get here you know as long as that holds true around that time frame again and then obviously you know when the games start you you go to the game and and uh watch that and cover that and I uh, know it was, it was a really good first day I'm looking forward to it I think we're going to be able to do a lot of good things on social media and obviously talk to, to the different shows on the fan and, and you guys and uh, it's great and I'll tell you what it's 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 a nice opportunity to, to talk to Bob Melvin every day and um, you know be able to ask him some questions outside of kind of a the day-to-day, you know, game-type stuff, which we get into during the course of the season. Um, you know, like I would encourage people to go watch what we put on social media today. You know, he had some, you know, some, some interesting comments on the Bill Chrismat, his role, um, you know, the, the need of guys in the bullpen to, to throw more than one inning, which, you know, is, uh, you know, maybe that's not everybody, but the need of having guys in that bullpen that can go multiple innings. If you have a smaller bullpen, if if the Padres do go with that six man rotation. So I won't spoil it all, but, but we've got some good stuff on our social media uh, from Bob Melvin. So, you know, getting to talk to him every day and, you know, go some different directions with the questions I think is a a unique opportunity, especially these first uh, handful of days before the game started and before we get into the regular season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, dining here in Peoria. Trying out the uh, the different restaurants here in Peoria.
3: Oh, I'm trying to think of the one that I need you to try. It is uh, a great taco spot. Just if you go to Jimmy John's, make sure you bring your phone with you. Because <laughs> you'll get lost. Yeah, Chris
4: got lost a couple years ago, and he didn't have his trying phone. Trying to walk so. across the street. I, I, I turned the wrong direction, and I was <laughs> took me a half an hour to get a sandwich. Well... He said it where the uh, where Sammy goes, the champagne flows. So that's be, I think that's gonna be. That's your, gonna be with us that's for a while. Be your title for a while, Sam. <laughs> don't forget, Sam Levitt also has launched his own podcast. It's called Inside San Diego Baseball. He dissects all the latest news from the Padres. You can find that podcast at 97.3thefansd.com or on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Sammy, we'll see you down there in Peoria soon. Thanks for uh, the report, and uh, we'll catch up to you down the road here, man. Have a great time.
1: Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Happy to come on.
4: We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Sam. There you go. Sam Levitt, the uh, host of the Padre pre- and post-game show. On the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline, Save yes, money the right way. And, I don't and know the rest.
3: <laughs> Premier Tony, Chevrolet. Tony, Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad, Chevrolet. Find new roads.
4: Yeah, yes. pretty close. Job, if not, job. absolutely correct. Tennessee leads Alabama <laughs> by eight points, guys. Oh, they're four sixteen left to go. Starting to pull away. Fifty-eight fifty. Number one team in the nation trailing the number ten team in the nation. Game is at Tennessee, so. Maybe this isn't a surprise. Fifty-eight fifty right now. Four sixteen left. Uh, later on, Aztecs play at Fresno State. We will be back to recap that and have all the rest of the sports stuff tomorrow. Uh, we will be joined by Russell Dorsey from the uh, Rally uh, program on uh, on what ne- what network is that? Bally, Bally. Sports. Sorry, yeah, yeah Bally Sports. Uh, the show is called The Rally. He is the MLB Insider. He joined us at the uh, at the. Um, general manager meetings back in uh, January. Good good guest to talk some baseball tomorrow and uh, all the other stuff. So make sure you tune in at two o'clock till then for Tony, for Scraby, Chris, night.
3: Night, night.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.